Welcome to Torah Imecha Parsha with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Aurelie Kanner and it is my privilege to be learning Sefer Shmot with you. Our Parsha this week is Parsha Mishpatim, a Parsha dense with mitzvot, and I would like to begin with a quick overview of the Parsha. Following the monumental revelation of Hashem to the entire B'nai Yisrael and the Aseret Hadibrot in last week's Parsha Yitro, Hashem legislates a series of laws for the people of Israel. These include, amongst many others, the laws of the indentured servant, the penalties for murder, kidnapping, assault, and theft, civil laws pertaining to redress of damages, the granting of loans, and the responsibilities of the four guardians as well as the rules governing the conduct of justice by courts of law. Also included in this week's Parsha are laws warning against mistreatment of foreigners, the observance of the festivals, and the agricultural gifts that are to be brought to the Beit HaMikdash in Yerushalayim, the prohibition against cooking meat with milk, and the mitzvah of prayer. Altogether, the Parsha of Mishpatim contains 53 mitzvot, 23 mitzvot aseh, imperative commandments, and 30 mitzvot lota aseh, prohibitions. Hashem promises to bring B'nai Yisrael to the Eretz Yisrael and warns them against assuming the pagan ways of its current inhabitants. B'nai Yisrael proclaim na'aseh v'nishma, we will do and we will hear all that God commands us. Leaving Aharon and Hor in charge, Moshe ascends Har Sinai and remains there for 40 days and 40 nights to receive all of the Torah from Hashem. Our Parsha Mishpatim, as just mentioned, begins with the laws of an indentured Jewish slave in Eved Ivri. The Torah stipulates that a slave must be allowed to go free on the Shemitah, the sabbatical year. However, if the slave insists on remaining a slave, claiming that he loves his master and household, he may stay on as a slave until the Jubilee year, the established year of Yovel, but only after the following protocol is followed. The master must bring this slave to the doorpost of the courthouse, where a hole is bored in the slave's earlobe. Says the Torah, V'higisho Adonav el ha'elohim, V'higisho el ha'delet o el ha'mezuzah, V'ratza Adonav et ozno b'martzea v'avodo le'olam. In attempting to understand this rather bizarre ritual, Rashi quotes Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai in the Gemara, who explains that the ear is bored because this slave heard on Har Sinai that li Yisrael avadim, that we are slaves to only one master, the Almighty Hashem. And despite what this man heard on Har Sinai, he insists on remaining a slave to another human being. Alternatively, the Gemara suggests that his ear is pierced because this man heard on Har Sinai, Lo Tignov, thou shalt not steal. He stole, and because he could not afford to repay the value of the stolen object and the additional fine, he was therefore sold into slavery. In both cases, the offense of this slave was in violating that which his ears heard, and his ears are therefore pierced. Ravzev Lef asks a brilliant question. If, in fact, the violation of this slave was in his hearing. 
Why do we pierce his earlobe? Shouldn't we puncture his eardrum, that which is responsible for hearing? Why his earlobe? Explains Ravleff, the complicated structure of the ear has a very particular function. The complex furrows and channels of the ear was designed to capture the airborne sound waves that pass by the individual and funnel those sounds into one's brain. In essence, the ear was designed for one to be able to internalize and personalize that which has been spoken to him. The slave that violated that which was commanded at Harsinai did not sin with his hearing. He heard the commandments uttered by Hashem. The slave, though, chose not to internalize God's words, not to recognize that those words were meant for him, and as such, his ear, that which was responsible for capturing those sounds and personalizing that which is heard, that ear is pierced. This phenomenon is similar to a fascinating event that occurred with Cain and Hevel. We are all familiar with the account told to us at the beginning of Sefer Breshit, when Hashem appears to Cain after he is angry and despondent, jealous that his brother Hevel's sacrifice was accepted by God, whereas his was not. Hashem appears to Cain and warns him that his sullen countenance and despondency are uncalled for, for if Cain would merely improve his actions, God would forgive him and raise his status. However, if Cain does not improve his attitude and his behavior, sin awaits at the door and is ready to entrap him. Cain says, Hashem, you are in control. Halo im tetiv se'et, ve'im lo tetiv la petach chatat rovetz, ve'elecha teshukato, ve'ata timshol bo. It's up to you, Cain. The very next pasuk has baffled our sages due to its enigmatic and abbreviated form. The Torah reports, Vayomer Cain el hevel achiv, Cain spoke to Hevel his brother while they were in the field. Cain pounced on Hevel his brother and killed him. Cain spoke to Hevel. Well, what did he say? The Torah doesn't tell us. Our rabbis offer various suggestions in the Midrash as to what perhaps Cain said including the possibility that they were disputing as to how to divide the world, the paradigm for the first war over territory, or perhaps suggests the Midrash, they argued over whose portion God and the temple would stand, the first religious war, or perhaps the Midrash goes on, they disputed over Chava, the first world war fought over a woman. But the Eben Ezra proposes an incredibly different, astute, and insightful suggestion. He says, Hakarov Elai Sha'amarlo Kol Hashem. You know what says the Ibn Ezra? Cain told Hevel. Cain told his brother what Hashem had just told him in the previous puzzle. Meaning that Cain told Hevel that Hashem spoke to me and gave me Musr, words of rebuke meant to be passed on to you. 
Hevel, you need to improve your ways. Hevel, you need to bring more respectful gifts to Hashem if you want to rise in Hashem's eyes. Rather than internalize Hashem's words of rebuke and warning, Cain chooses to ignore them and pass them on to Hevel. As such, he misses the opportunity to improve, alter his behavior, and restore his relationship with God. The first human being born to man becomes the paradigm of one who hears God's words but neglects to believe that those words apply to him, fails to internalize them, foolishly believing that they are meant for the other God. And so too the Gemara Mesechet Tanis relates the story of Ilfa and Rav Yochanan. Ilfa and Rav Yochanan suffered from abject poverty while they immersed themselves in Torah learning. Their situation became so dire that they decided to leave the base medrash and go to work. When they were on their way to find work, Rav Yochanan heard Malachai Hashares conversing with each other. The Malachim said that these two people deserve to be killed for leaving the life of eternity of Torah study of Limud HaTorah and involving themselves in the temporary life of pursuing a material livelihood. The Malachim, the angels, added that the only reason they will not kill Ilfa and Rav Yochanan is because the fate of one of them would soon take a propitious turn. Rav Yochanan heard this conversation between these angels and decided to return to the base medrash and continue learning Torah, even if it meant in poverty. Ilfa, on the other hand, who did not hear the words of the angels, continued on his journey and found work becoming a wealthy man. When Ilfa returned from his business endeavors, Rav Yochanan had been inaugurated as the Rosh Yeshiva, a position of great prestige, and according to Rashi, even one of great wealth. The people of the town said to Ilfa upon his return, had you, Ilfa, stayed and learned Torah like Rav Yochanan, you would have become the Rosh Yeshiva. The oft-asked question on this Gemara is why the seeming criticism of Ilfa? Is it Ilfa's fault, after all, that he did not return? Rav Yochanan was given the opportunity to overhear the discussion of the angels, but Ilfa was not. The answer, perhaps, that is offered is that both Ilfa and Rav Yochanan heard the exact same conversation between the angels. Both were afforded the opportunity to return to the base medrash and become the Torah leader of their generation. The difference is that Rav Yochanan allowed the words that he heard to be captured by his ears and internalized. Whereas Ilfa heard those words, but allowed them to pass by, assuming that they were meant for somebody else. This Parsha, that begins with the Evadivri, discussing the critical nature of internalizing that which we hear, is fittingly the Parsha, where B'nai Yisrael proclaimed the words, Na'aseh v'nishma, we will act and we will internalize. Na'aseh, we will observe all the mitzvot, act in accordance with the dictates and commandments of the Torah. But additionally, nishma, 
we will internalize Torah and become living embodiments of the ethics, morality, and the beliefs that are embedded in the Torah that we, B'nai Yisrael, were Zoche merited to hear on Har Sinai. Thank you for studying with me in the OU Women's Initiative. I look forward to learning with you again next week.